Yes. Here we are. Another episode of the Robcast. This is episode 310. And this one is called, There's a Lot of Water in the Water. This phrase, I actually made it up. <laughs> and when I made it up, it, it brings me so much pleasure to say it. And when I first made it up, it made me laugh quite hard. But I found myself repeating it time and time again because it helps. There's a lot of water in the water. Uh, it's helped me so much with, in times of disappointment, grief, uh, with desire, sadness, patience, listening for the next step, a broad range of experiences, I found myself pausing and saying, yeah, there's a lot of water in the water on this one. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a heart check. It's like a mantra. I've even had experiences talking with other people, <laughs> with talking with friends, and whatever we're talking about, I'll say, man, whew, a lot of water in the water on that one. And I've had friends nod like, yeah, mm-hmm. Like having no context, no idea what I'm talking about, a lot of water in the water. I've had people, it's like people get it at some poetic subterranean level of the soul. So that's how it works, isn't it? We, uh, we have these experiences, we have these recurring experiences, and then we try to name them. We try to give language to what it's like to be us. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're looking for words to help name these experiences we're having. Speaking of experiences we're having, I get to tell you about something that's happening this fall right now, and I'm really, really thrilled about it. Uh, so let's back up. In 2019, I did a tour called An Introduction to Joy, and uh, the film of it is on YouTube. But I had this experience the last night of the tour. The last show was here in L.A., and I remember walking off stage so clearly having this very strong, resolute conviction that that was an ending. There wasn't just an ending of a of that specific tour, but it was the ending of a, a almost like a, a creation cycle. It was like the ending of a chapter, the ending of a of a larger season. And that's generally how it works, right? You you get a sense of an ending. It's almost like you get the sensation, you get the feeling, and then later you get the language for it with the passage of time. But I had this sense, like, yeah, you you finished doing that show. You did a lot over the course of a year. So, you, so good job, Rob Bell. You did it. But it also had this, but you did it, and now you're going into new territory that won't look like that. It, it had this, sub, this subtle undertone of you took that as far as you could take it. And I assumed at the time, oh, that's me standing on a stage with a microphone, room full of people doing what I've done for decades. Like that particular variation, that form... Uh, you took that as far as you could take it. That, that was the sense. But you know how this works. Something ends, and the next thing hasn't arisen or emerged. And so a bit like the trapeze artist, you're sort of in the air in between swings. And I'd also that fall, we've been doing some two-day events here in the neighborhood, and... I had been trying out some new ways of structuring event, like me in a room with a group of people. And 
So I, I had begun to explore some things that I'd never done before, and, and it had like a, it had some serious energy to it. And then early in 2020, as we all know, the whole world changed and shut down. And eventually I started doing some things on Zoom where I got to meet, well, we're still doing, actually we just put up dates for new sessions for August um, on the business of it, on writing, on speaking. So I've gotten to meet like hundreds and hundreds, thousands of you and hear who you are and where you're coming from and what you've been doing and what you're doing next and how you're innovating and what you've come out of and what you're headed into and like literally spending hour after hour, day after day, interacting with so many people. It's like something new began to emerge. Like, oh, there might be some new ways even to structure slash not structure the live event. Because that's the thing that's been at the heart of everything I, I do. And that got taken away. It's still, it's still not that. I mean, we're like a year and a half into none of that. And it, uh, oh God, it's killed me, but it's, also like giving me all this space to like reimagine it and I started to get ideas about what what might be possible and the ideas were a continuation of everything is spiritual which in some ways is the thing that th I just keep coming up with entirely new ways to talk about this one truth everything is spiritual and there have been two tours called everything is spiritual and then last year's book, but I started to come up with the next evolution. And it was, uh, it was as it often is. The first seeds that begin to sprout are this interesting, fascinating, compelling mix of terror and thrill. <laughs> the terror, like, these new ideas, like if you tried that, like in a room, like a live room with a bunch of people, that could really not work. Dear Rob Bell, this might really bomb. <laughs> but I always, I always know, because that's how it's worked over the years. And yet I can't stop reflecting on it and pursuing it and thinking about it, turning it over in my head and heart. I, I've learned by now that's the direction. If I have like a whoa, I know that's the direction to go in. By whoa, what I mean is the butterflies of, is this possible? Can we pull this off? What if this could really bomb, but oh, God, would it be so much fun to try? So I started to get these ideas. And then uh, I, I began to see, oh, this is, these are the ideas, but this is way beyond that. This is about reimagining what happens when we're all in a room together. And so uh, I'm telling you all that because tickets just went on sale for the Everything is Spiritual Tour this fall. The first leg, the fall leg of Everything is Spiritual Tour. I'm going to go to Denver and Oklahoma City and Austin and Chicago and Detroit and uh, Columbus, which is in Ohio, and Atlanta and Nashville and all my favorite places, New York City, Washington, D.C. So these first dates for the tour for this fall are now up. And uh, actually, this fall, the paperback version of my book, Everything is Spiritual, comes out. And the reason why paperback is significant is it's much less expensive than a hardcover. So um, we're going to take this 
in some new places and see what happens. And I miss you all. And to be, for us all to be in a room again, oh, man. Oh, man. So I can't even begin to tell you how thrilling it is to tell you um, that tickets are up and... Uh, I am so looking forward to this. I've been, uh, you know, a, a, something like this. I work on it f for months and months and months, year or so, and so it gradually begins to take shape. And so I had said to Kristen, I, um, at some point I want to run by you what I'm thinking, like what, what I'm going to try. And so last night we uh, went to one of our favorite restaurants in the neighborhood that has this fantastic outdoor patio gracias madre and we're sitting out there and i get out my little piece of paper can you hear my little piece of paper i get out my little piece of paper and i have a pen with me and i like walk her through um what it the what it, where it is right now like where the structure is um and i'm sort of watching her to see how she's reacting to it because we have the shorthand from years together where i'm telling you i i can if I try to, like, if I tell her about a Robcast episode, there are sometimes times I'll start telling her about the episode, I'll be about five seconds in, and I'll look at her, and I'll be like, never mind, because <laughs> I just know it's not good enough. <laughs> but sometimes I'll give her, like, the seven-second version, and she'll say, oh, yeah, that's really good. And I'm like, oh, nice, because I know if I can't, if I can do it in under 10 seconds, we're on to something. But if it takes me longer, then it's not solid enough, if that makes sense. But this, this... This, everything is spiritual for this fall tour. I start in, and she starts to smile, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gave me that Kristen Bell smile that's like, yeah, this is, this is something. So, my friends, I am still high on the fumes of the Kristen Bell yes. <laughs> oh, my word. So there's that. And all that info, of course, is at my site, including the sessions. Um, and, oh, yeah, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we put up a four-hour audio on writing. It's called Something to Write. It's me just telling you everything I've learned about writing. Um, and it's about four hours long, and you can get that as well. So those are some things. Now, let's talk about the ocean. Because the ocean has a relationship with a ball of rock a number of million miles away called the moon. And because of the relationship between these two balls of rock, on a regular basis, the water in the oceans on planet Earth, because of the Earth's relationship to the moon, the water goes up and it goes down, and the word we have for this is tides. There's high tide when the water goes up, and there's low tide when the water goes down. And there's two high tides and two low tides each day. Yeah. See, if I explain this to you, you'd be like, that's the weirdest setup ever, and yet it's the setup. We all just go, yeah, the tides. Wait, what? What, because of that white ball in the sky at night? Water goes up and down here? What? Yeah, if you lose your sense of wonder and awe about the weirdness of this thing, you're in trouble. Blessed is the one who's in on the joke right? So, this interesting thing happens during high tide. Some surf breaks, high tide, the wave just comes right in, goes right over top, and hits the shore, and there's nothing to ride. Some surf breaks, low tide, 
uh, the water just gets too low and there's no... So some surf breaks can only be surfed mid-tide, which means there's only two windows when you can surf. Other places, like the place I go to most days, is almost impervious to tides. You can almost surf it 24 hours a day because of the the way the seafloor is. So, so there's a whole world there on tides. But there's this interesting thing that happens when there's high tide. And high tide, like a four foot, five foot, six foot high tide. When you're in the water at high tide, this interesting thing happens where the, wa- where the wave comes in and it hits the shore. And if the shore is steep enough, the water, the wave crashes on shore it goes up the shore, all that water, and then it recedes back out into the ocean. And if the tide is high enough, you can feel that water. It's almost like a, like a, like a submerged wave going back out into the ocean. And so sometimes there's water coming in at the same time that water's going out. There are, even, there are shore breaks. Um, there's a shore break near where I used to surf all the time where sometimes... When, it gets, when the swell gets really big, you can have a huge wave coming in, and then that wave hits shore, and now tons of water is going back out, and it hits the next wave that's coming in, and they run into each other, and it sounds like thunder. Like, it makes an incredible bang of a sound. So sometimes when you're in the water, and high tide, it's this feeling like there's water, like on a calm day, mid-tide, you're looking out into the ocean. It's calm, like a lake. And then a set comes in, three, four waves. And those waves come in. You catch one of them, catch two of them. Then you go back out and you sit there and it's still again. But sometimes at high tide, you're sitting in the water and you're in between sets, so no waves are coming in. And yet, because the tide is so high, all this water is bounce. Essentially, it's like bouncing off the beach and coming back out and you feel water coming in, and you feel water going out. And then sometimes you have a pretty strong swell, so there's a nice bit of energy in the water. Maybe there's a storm off the coast of New Zealand or Japan, and so you can feel all this energy because waves are coming in, a long period, a short period swell, and you can feel like it's not just the water and the tide, but you can feel the swell. Sometimes you have a combo swell, so you have a northwest and you have a west, or you have a south and a southwest. You have two different swells coming in, so waves are coming in at strange angles. And sometimes you have a current. Like sometimes the current is so strong that you paddle out, and by the time you paddle out, you're already 100 feet down the beach from where you paddled out. So you have to like spend tons of energy just to stay in the same place. And sometimes you have wind that's coming in and it's uh, putting all this texture on the water. And sometimes you have current going one direction, you have a combo swell, you have a high tide, you have a wind coming offshore, onshore. Sometimes there's a lot of water in the water. (laughs) You with me on that? Sometimes you're sitting in the water. And I remember the first time I thought that I was sitting in the water and just sitting still on my board, I'm feeling the current, I'm feeling the tide, I'm feeling the swell, I'm feeling the wind. And I remember thinking, man, there's a lot going on right now. Like, I'm having to paddle just to stay in the same spot. I'm watching these this combo swell. This wind is really affecting things. Man, there's a lot of water in the water. Yeah. Yeah, you feel that, huh? <laughs> Have you ever felt that in your life? 
man, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of water in the water. There's a lot of things going on right now. It looks like I'm just sitting here on my board in the ocean, but man, there's a lot going on. You are just sitting in traffic. You are just walking the dog. You are just feeding your kid dinner. You are just filling out an application for a new job. And yet, there is a world just below the surface. There's a lot of water in the water. Sometimes you feel it acutely in a moment way beyond yourself. Paul Krugman's an economist, does a lot of writing in the New York Times. A couple weeks ago, Krugman uh, had this fascinating sentence, which I immediately screenshotted, screenshotted, screenshot on my phone. He said, COVID, he wrote, COVID created huge dislocations in the economy. And as we recover from these dislocations, economic data are unusually noisy, largely because the standard adjustments statisticians make to smooth out things like seasonal variation don't work well in an economy still distorted by the pandemic. Now, it was this one phrase Krugman used that just jumped out at me. He's talking about how COVID created these huge dislocations in the economy, and he says, as we recover from these dislocations, economic data are unusually noisy. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great way to summarize this moment we're all in, unusually noisy. So he's saying the data, the most unemotional spreadsheet statistics and facts are unusually noisy. And he says the statisticians who take all these numbers and present them in an orderly fashion and so they look at things like seasonal variation. He says, a lot of the ways that things get smoothed out so you can see the real pattern behind the pattern just aren't working uh, that well at the moment because things are still so distorted. Yeah, you know the phrase for that when it comes to the economy right now. What is lumber twice as expensive as it was? And what happened during COVID? Rental car companies sold off massive lots of cars, but now they need tons of cars, and so there's this huge spike in the used car industry. See what I mean by, yeah, a lot of water in the water. Yeah, my friend Phil and I were together recently, and he just casually talked about the COVID uh, crisis tragedy in India. And I was so struck with how we all are aware of what's happening in India and Brazil. Like, we just went through a mass... All of humanity, essentially, just went through a massive... Is, are going through a massive experience together, but with the Internet. Think, think through, since the explosion of the Internet, what have we all gone through together? Is this the first thing? Uh, the great Pierre Duchardin talked about a new sphere, talked about a web of thought that covers the earth. Like we're coming out of something that we all experience together. Um, our antennas are picking up way, way more. We are highly connected in ways we never have 
before. People are picking up all kinds of radio stations they didn't get before. There's a lot of water in the water. Yeah, so, so we're passing through something. We're still in it. It's behind. It's ahead. What are we headed into? We're not headed back. We're headed forward into something we haven't been to. There's a lot of water in the water. Yeah. Yeah, now my conditioning, uh, the world I come from, whatever you do, do something. Just get busy, right? Don't just sit around. Other people do that. No, no. You, get, you, you do something. You roll up your sleeves and, 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 and get to work. And yet, it's possible to jump into action and end up building a whole bunch of things that have you wondering, what exactly was all that activity for? What was all that hustle for again? So this phrase... There's a lot of water in the water. It slows me down. It rescues me from the idea that the answer is always to charge full speed ahead and just do something. There's a lot of water in the water. Reminds me to be patient. That you listen. And from the place of emptiness, space, and listening, from the place of deep knowing, you act out of that in full alignment with who you are, what you're here to do. There's a lot of water in the water. This mantra, this phrase, it's like the pause. It's the inhale and exhale. I say it because it creates room for me to sink into the center of my being to sink into my heart, the integrated center of my being, and listen to all that's going on within me. I've noticed how many people have expressed some variation of there's a lot of water in the water when it comes to what they're doing with their energies. And sometimes the water in the water is other people. It's the experts who told you how it's done properly. It's the superstar who you have been comparing yourself to and imitating when, in fact, you have your own path. There's how you do it. It's not as interesting how they do it. It's how you do it. Uh, there is the conventional wisdom of that field, that area of expertise, that marketplace, um, that market that tribe that was like, no, this is how it's done. And so when you try and get clarity on who you are and what your next step is, you have all these voices on your shoulder. You have this chorus of experts and advice. That's water. There's a lot of water in the water for you there. Yeah. And I've noticed uh, in sessions with people how if we just pause... And um, sometimes I'll even say, yeah, there's a lot of water in the water for you on this. Um, sometimes I reach towards my screen in order to, <laughs> to pulse, to take somebody off, a voice off their shoulder, because that voice is so loud. Somebody, some family member told them this is how this is done, and yet it's in conflict with some sense they have 
of how they're going to do it. Yeah, it's easy to get a lot of water in the water with your kids. You got all this stuff of your own childhood, of what you've been told, of your fears that you're not giving them, that they're going to miss out, that they're going to, um, if it's your business, your work, whew, it's easy to get a lot of water in the water on that stuff. Uh, old messages of your conditioning about success, failure, what's, what's a proper level of achievement, what's a, if it's your health, especially if you have things you're frustrated with that, you, that have nagged you for years, ailments that you can't seem, habits, patterns, addictions. Yeah, you can get all sorts of water in the water. Yeah. The mentor, the expert, the superstar, someone told you how it's done. It's hard to talk about whatever it is without those voices coming up. So you pause and you go, I got a lot of water in the water in this one. And what happens to me often is then I'm able to see what else is in play. Oh, yeah, that thing that person said is like a fly. It's buzzing around in there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's why this feels the way it does. Like I'm being moved in all these different directions. Um, there's another way that we get all sorts of water in the water. Sadness and grief. Yeah, sadness is interesting. My experience, my regular appearance experience with sadness is sadness exists, I was going to say transrationally, sub-rationally. Sadness almost laughs at the intellect. Because when you're sad, you're fir- if you're like me, your first instinct is, why am I sad? But it's a, it's a bit like wrestling water. It's a bit like grabbing air. It's very hard to get your intellect around sadness. Am I sad about the state of the world? Am I sad about some broken relationship from seven years ago? Am I sad about... Uh, so, like, you see what I mean? Sadness is, a, sadness is hard to follow back to its cave. It's almost like sadness comes and just says, I'm here, um, so let's hang out. It's almost like sadness clings tighter the more you try to shake it. But when you sit down with it, light a candle, put on some music, <laughs> just be present to your sadness. Yeah, yeah. But sadness, some days you're sad, and you don't even know why. That puts a lot of water in the water. So you're looking for clarity. You're trying to figure out, what to do next? You're wondering why you're not so productive or efficient. Sometimes it's just because today we're sad. Everything's just slowed down so we can feel whatever that is. Loss is a huge one, especially uh, the good grief of loss when something changed and things aren't how they were, and you wouldn't want to go back. You're only going forward. And yet you did lose how it was. And that was a good thing. Yeah. And what I have seen over and over again is when there's grief, whether it's about a good thing or grief because of heartbreak, because of the devastation, because of the loss of someone you love, because an order, a structure that, was, that worked great was blasted to pieces for some reason. Few things stifle imagination more than ungrieved grief. Yeah. Sometimes a curveball was thrown our way that we never wanted. And 
we're angry, we're frustrated, we're annoyed, we are grieving the loss of something. And because we haven't, well, because we live in a culture that has almost no idea what to do with grief, it binds us up, and so the imagination and creativity about what's next gets blocked. So there is an intrinsic relationship between grief and imagination. So sadness, loss, anger, grief, uh, your mourning, the fact that we're here and not there, that pa- the old order passed away. Yeah, you got to get that out. You got to get that out. And what I've seen again and again, I've literally, I cannot tell you how many, literally hundreds of people I have said, you are grieving. And then oftentimes the tears come and the person says, I am. And it like, it almost, it comes out in this cathartic burst. And what I've seen, I'm telling you so many times is it's in that space that the person goes, oh, I actually, I actually can see now what's coming next. It's like you had to just get that out. And then the next thing presents itself. Yeah, there's a lot of water in the water on that one. Try this with your friends, partner, colleagues. When you find yourself gathered around the table, when you find yourself trying to make a decision about what you're doing next, when you, when, when you become aware... Wait, there's a bunch of... When, when you're having trouble with clarity, pause. Try this. When you're having trouble figuring out what is going on here, how come this decision is... How come we're like, we're like bound up? We're blocked. We're not able to just figure it out. Just pause and say, man, there's a lot of water in the water here. And notice how often things arise that you didn't realize were in play here. We were just moving forward to make the next decision and can't figure out why it's not flow, why we don't have flow. Stop. I'm telling you, my friends, try this. Man, there's a lot of water in the water here. Because what it essentially says is I can't, I don't know what it is, because water and water, you can't spot. Tell me this water versus that water. You can't spot it at first. That's why the phrase does something to me, is I acknowledge there's something present here that I'm not able to see, and it's profoundly affecting this experience. But as soon as I say it, weirdly enough, that's what allows it to make itself, oh, I'm angry. Oh, okay. Okay, got it. Here's another one. Here's a huge one. Here's a total water in the water. Desire. And by desire, I don't, I don't mean like what you want, because desire, I mean, that makes the world go round. Do not, do not cut off your desires. Desire, that's where all the action is. I'm talking about when you want something too much. Not good, generative desire about what you love and what you want and what you're giving yourself to, but when you want something too much. That, that series, talk about water in the water. If you are trying to figure out the way forward, but you, you want something too much, you have a magical other. You have a sacred other. You, you have turned some it or some possible outcome. It has become too magical. It has become too loaded. It has too much charge. It has too much energy around it. Generally, the way that it gets phrased at a, at a level of the psyche is, if I just had this, then. And then a whole story gets told about how this 
will solve the problems. About this, if this person gets behind my thing, endorses it, funds it, invests in it, validates me, if this person uses their authority to whatever it is, promote me, what if, because all of that is animated by scarcity. We take the massive, abundant generativity and goodness of the universe and we say, I need that outcome or I'm in trouble. You see what that does? It shrinks all of the possible ways goodness can come to you down to this person, this project, this deal, this sale, that school, that acceptance, that validation, that number of followers, that, and that's a lot of water in the water. You want it too much. It's very, very hard to listen to your deep knowing when you want something too much. Because that lack and scarcity that translates into wanting something too much, it creates a base level of panic and grasping energy. And grasping energy, man, that's a lot of water in the water. That is a lot of water in the water. If you're promoting your thing too hard, if you're pushing your thing too hard, if you're marketing your thing too hard, we can pick up on that. There's a grasping, clinging, desperate, scarcity, lack energy that's animating it. Yeah, that puts a lot of water in the water. Yeah. And so sometimes this thing that you want so badly, you have to go, oh, it's, it's like it's running the whole show and you have to let it go. You have to open yourself up and trust. There are other ways this can happen. This is not the only path. Yeah, and then you open yourself up to the surprise. Yeah, yeah. When you want something too much, you can put a lot of water in the water. Oh, here's another one. History with a particular situation. Some things happened a while ago. It didn't go that well. And now you're sensing a next step, but the next step means you're stepping back into a situation a bit like that one that you have that history with. And so there's a lot of water in the water here. We even have this phrase, water under the bridge. There's a lot of water in the water. Yeah. But here's the thing, you aren't who you were. So oftentimes what happens is a person is terrified about heading into that space because I know what happened last time in that space. Yes, but you know what happened last time in that space. The recognition and awareness of the pattern is how the pattern gets broken, and you aren't who you were. And so oftentimes the reason why it has like a swimmy, bathtubby, disorienting feeling is a person is operating under the belief that if they try that again, the same thing will happen again. Talk about having a lot of water in the water. Yeah, but you aren't who you are who you were. You're you're this you, not that you. And this you has all of that wisdom. This you learned all kinds of things because of what happened. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of water in the water. So, my friends, I'm giving you this phrase. What's often true is that the thing that works at the macro level works at the micro level. The thing that speaks to a larger moment, this world that we are in right now, politically, economically, health-wise, 
where we're headed next, all of us together, there's a lot of water in the water. Economics aren't following the rules. All sorts of things just aren't operating like they used to. So there's a lot of water in the water right now. And so pausing, having patience, because what's true at the larger level is true at the smaller level. You aren't who you were. This thing we've all been through, it, it caused us to rethink everything. And so for some of us, man, the musculature is so strong to like just attack it. But you don't have to. You can just watch and listen. Yeah, and trust. That there's a whole new thing emerging. Yeah, there's a lot of water in the water. So be patient. Yeah, the tide will go down. Um, the wind will slack off. That current won't be that strong forever. That swell, it'll clean itself up and come in nice. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then we'll catch some waves. <laughs> and then we'll catch some waves. Yeah. Grace and peace and love to all of you, my friends.